Okay, good afternoon, everybody. Good to see you. Okay. We are, we are up to the, the, um, the sixth of the Kore HaEmunah, the sixth of the fundamentals of faith. In the Animamins, it's said in very simple terms, four words, Animamin Bemunashlema, I believe with a complete faith, Shekol Divrei Nevi'im Emes, that all the words of the prophets are true. The Ramam, of course, in his original source, where he speaks about it, that Animamin wasn't written by him, was that Yeda Adam Shezemin Hadam Yimatsi Bahem Bali Tevoim Mimides Mu'ulais Maidu Shlemus Gedayla. They're amongst people who have a high character and a completeness of the person that their souls are so refined to be able to be makabel tsuras hasechel, that they're makabel tsuras hasechel, that they're able to really get the imprint of the of truth, <laughs> that the seichel becomes so empowered within them that it attaches itself to the divine source of wisdom, and that equals that equals nevuah. And uh, the the the, uh, the 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 Rambam writes. That we don't have to bring specific verses to the veracity of Nebu- to speak about the veracity of nevuah. The Torah is filled with nevuah. The Torah is based on the concept of nevuah, based on the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu spoke to uh, Hakadosh Baruch Hashem spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu. <coughs> nevuah is indeed a core fundamental of faith. Thank you very much, Ryan. So, the today what I'd like to do is spend time on the first piece that Rav Moshe speaks about, which is really a, a chazal, a very famous chazal, that's important for us to be able to, to look at in this discussion of nevuah. Because prophecy, in our, in our concept and experience, is a thing of the past. People don't have nevuah. People don't have prophecy anymore. Uh, we read about nevuah. We believe our belief system, yes, is based on the notion of nevuah of prophecy, but nevuah is as far away from us as miracles, visible miracles. We don't see the sea split. We don't see frogs here, frogs there, frogs jumping everywhere. We don't see miracles happen, and we don't see or have people who have live, real-time communication with Hashem Yisbarach. These are pieces which are missing from our experience, and yet, they are the basis, the foundation for our emuna, for our faith in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, going back to a different time. So understanding nevuah also, to some degree, requires us to understand the fact that there isn't nevuah, that we don't have prophecy. Understanding that there was prophecy also requires our understanding of the fact that we don't have it now, at this point in time. The, um, the, the, there's a statement which is brought in the Brisa de Seder Eilam. There's a, there's a source, there's a, a small, a small um, uh, work which comes from the days of Chazal, from the days of, of, the, of the Tanoim, which is called Seder Olam. It's called Brisa de Seder Olam, the apocryphal work of Seder Olam. Seder Olam means the order of the world or what we would really call the history of the world. So Brisa, it's a source which goes through the history of the world based on biblical chronology and a bit beyond. And in Brisa, the Seder Olam, 
which we, we, there are many times when it is quoted and in, in discussions when you want to figure out how many years were the Jewish people in Egypt, how do you compare the 400 years and the 430 years. Right? These are all kinds of questions which the Seder Olam addresses, you know, trying to reconcile the biblical chronology with, with, with reality. And one of the things which it says in Seder Olam, which is a line which was made famous to some degree by the Goyen of Vilna, was the, is the following. Who Alexandrus Maikton, right? The Seder Olam refers to the Nevois, the prophecy of Daniel, in the book of Daniel, which is the most esoteric of the books of Tanakh. In, in fact, even written in a language which is hard to understand. Most of Sefer Daniel is written in Aramaic, a difficult Aramaic. So there, he, Daniel's, <coughs> Daniel's uh, book is, is filled with dreams. You may have noticed that we're, we're reading now the Parshios about Yosef. There are a number of times that Chazal, Rashi, even invoke the comparison between Daniel's role in interpreting the dreams of his king, Nebuchadnezzar, and Yosef's role in interpreting the dreams of his king, Paro. They both had that interesting position. And amongst Daniel's dreams are the dreams that lay out the structure of history, the history of the Jewish people, what we refer to as the Arba Malchias, the four kingdoms which would subjugate and subordinate the Jewish people after we had arrived in Eretz Yisrael. The Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans. These are all seen in the dreams of, of Daniel and uh, with images of animals and the like and, 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 and these, these descriptions. And when it describes this this horn, this large horn that was between his eyes, like a unicorn that was envisioned in the dream. That's the first king. And that's what the verse says. And in the Seder Olam, it elaborates on this vision. And it says, that's Alexandrus Moikdain, Alexander of Macedon, Alexander the Great. Shemolach Yudbeis Shana that he ruled for 12 years, and it was until this point that prophets prophesied with divine inspiration. But from here on, that's a verse in Proverbs in Mishlei, incline your ear to listen to the words of sages. Sages aren't prophets. Sages aren't prophets. Prophets say, God just told me this, and I'm conveying it to you. Sages are wise people that will share with you wisdom derived from things that they have learned, not claiming a real-time communication from God. So when prophecy stops, you can't turn to prophets for guidance. God isn't talking anymore. So what do you have to do instead is you have to listen closely to the words of the wise. That's a, a transition that the, the, the Talmud speaks about, that the Seder Olam speaks about. We go from Nevi'im, prophets telling you the, the word of God, to Chachamim. I've shared with some of you on numerous occasions that Rav Hutner, who said that the, the, there's a characterization in the Gemara of Basra, that Chacham Adif Minavi, that a wise person is greater than a prophet, and he, say, he characterized it beautifully. It's in one of his essays, actually, on Hanukkah, which is relevant to this discussion, that the Navi, the prophet, can tell you what God is saying. 
the wise person is greater because he can tell you what God is saying even when God is silent. The, the prophet conveys what God is saying when God is speaking. The prophet, the, the wise person is supposed to be able to hear God even when God is silent, to discern, so to speak, what he would say, what we learned from what he did say to what he would say now. But that's when the prophecy stopped. That's when prophecy stopped, when Alexander the Great assumed his control. Now, of course, that could be just a marker. You want to know when it stopped? It stopped at around the same time as Alexander rose, as Alexander Mokton assumed his, assumed his position. The question is, is that all that it is? What precipitated the end of the period of prophecy? Now, this statement in Seder Olam, which has it coincide with the time of, uh, of the... Uh, of the Malchus of Alexandrus has to be reconciled with a passage which is found in the Gemara. It's a Gemara in two places, a Gemara in Yuma, a Gemara in Sanhedrin. The, uh, the, the Gemara tells a famous story about the time that the sages, that the sages destroyed, destroyed the Yetzer Hora, the evil inclination, the evil inclination that people had the drive that people had for um, for avodazar for idol worship. So the 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 Gemara speaks about that. It speaks about how things changed as a result of the people originally having had, and then it was gone. The Gemara tells the story that it, it's in the book of Nehemiah which is not quite the time of Alexander, you understand? That's the beginning of the second Beis HaMikdash, and Alexander was more than a century into the second Beis HaMikdash. So the, 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 um, the, the Gemara tells the story, when the book of Nehemiah says that they cried out with a great voice, Bekel Gadol to Hashem their God, what did they say, says the Gemara? Says the Gemara, they said, you know, the Jewish people have been, and we could literally use the word, they've been bedeviled by this drive for idol worship. If you read the books of the Nevi'im, the Jewish people were constantly getting tripped up, getting sucked into the Avodah Zarah, the idol worship of this nation that surrounded them, this nation whose land they came to occupy. The Jewish people... Uh, our story in biblical history is a story of a people who are constantly drawn after idol worship. From the first failure of the Jewish people, which was the Egel Hazov, the golden calf, which was something at least akin to idol worship. Sure looked like it, you know, it sounded like it, smelled like it. So maybe it was a little bit of a variation on it. But from that first Aveir, from that first sin till... You know, Menashe did what it, the King Menashe did what it did to destroy the first Beis Amigdash. It's idol worship over and over again. And the Jewish people said, Rabbi Shalom, please get rid of this. The Anshei Knesset Hagdailah, the greatest assembly, the men of the great assembly, the leadership of the Jewish people, they turned to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and they said, this is what destroyed our temple and caused us to go into exile. Please, please get rid of it. We don't want to be driven to worship idols. And in fact, they said something which those of you who may have learned today's daf in the daf Yaimi, 
which I think there's still a lot of people learning today's stuff in the Dafi. I mean, it's a, you know, Baruch Hashem, the surge. Um, the Gemara it uses exact language, just in Aramaic, uh, that the Gemara uses today uh, several times in Hebrew, where the Gemara says, right? The Gemara tells stories about people, sages, who were suffering very, very terrible suffering. And, you know, with the whole context that, you know, people gain from suffering, they mature from suffering. So the Gemara says that people came to visit them, other sages came to visit them, and they said, hey, do you, do you realize the value of the suffering? And they said, no. They said, no, we'd rather skip it. And the rewards, I know, you tell me, I get benefits from it. The Jewish people, the Anshikinah said here, you're going to tell me, oh, it's good to have this drive, and that way you get to overcome it, and you get to be a bigger person, and you get to... Nope. It ended up doing us in. We'll skip the rewards, skip the challenge. We're not interested in it or in its rewards. So the Gemara says famously that the Jewish people, the Anshikinah Agdola, they fasted for three days and for three nights. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, okay. And he gave them over. Again, this is a very agadaic, uh, mystical-sounding Gemara. He gave over the Yetzir Hara, that, that drive for Avleid to them. How did it, they give it over? It emerged from the Holy of Holies in the figure of a golden lion. I'm sorry, a fiery lion, Guria Danura, a fiery lion. And the Navi said to the Jewish people, that's the Yetzir of Aveda Zara. That's the Yetzir of Aveda Zara. And they quickly you know, captured it and, and locked it up. However you understand the actualities of the Gemara, of the Gemara, what the, what the Gemara is telling, this is the image which the Gemara gives us of this. Said the Goyen of Vilna, that was a very significant change in Jewish life that happened also at the beginning of the time of the second Beis Amigdash. Nevoah, prophecy, ended from the Jewish people at the beginning of the time of the second Beis Amigdash, of the second temple. Those two things are connected. When Nevoah ended, it was, yes, it was with the rise of Alexander, but it was with getting rid of this drive for Avodah Zarah. As, uh, as um, we know, the, 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 the Seder Eilam, as, as, as he says it, is that the Malachi, who was Ezra, died on the year that Alexander rose to become king. Malchus Yovan, Hichlifas, Malchus Poros, Lamedalet Shona Achar Binin Beisamik Dashasheni. The Malchus of Yovan, not the, the story of Hanukkah was later, but the king of Yovan eclipsed the king of Persia 34 years after the building of the second Beisamikdash. And Malachi, who was, the Gemara says, there are different opinions as to who Malachi was. Everybody knows Malachi was the last prophet. The last word of prophecy we have in the Jewish people was from Malachi. According to one opinion in the Gemara, Malachi was Ezra. And Ezra died 34 years after the building of the second Beis Hamikdash. So in that sense, it coincides exactly, chronologically, and... So with the end of Nevoah was with the rise of Alexander, and that coincides, adds the Goin, with this idea that they got rid of the Yetzirah of Avodah Zarah. And, uh, you know, the Meshachachma, 
helped make this comment of the going famous. The Meshachachma quotes it in Parshas Baha'u'llah and um, and uh, he, he brings a further pasuk, which seems to show the coincidence of Nevuah and the Yetzer of Avedizah. And we have to try to understand it a little bit. To be able to understand Nevuah better, to understand this idea, to understand this, this picture better. So the first thing I would just note is that what's very, very clear from the imagery which the Gemara provides is this correlation. Where was the Yetzirah of Avodah Where was that drive of Avodah Where was it housed? Where did it come out from? From the Holy of Holies. You know, when you imagine the devil, the drive that diverts people from the service of God to idol worship, you wouldn't imagine that it lives in the Holy of Holies. Where, where would you imagine that it lives? You would imagine sort of, you know, like on Yom Kippur, we bring one offering into the Holy of Holies, and then the other one we take and we throw it off the cliff in the, in the wilderness of the desert, Lazazel, you know, the scapegoat. Oh, that's probably where the, the idol worship, the drive for Avedizor, you know, like the, like the Torah describes. No, it came out like a fiery lion from the Holy of Holies, which means that in a certain sense, its root and its home is, is there. It's, it's in the inner sanctum of connection between the people and God. It's not all trafe. And think about it further. What was in the Holy of Holies? Not fiery lions, actual items. What was there in the Holy of Holies? The Aron HaKodesh, the Ark with the Kruvim, with the two cherubic images that are like, sort of like idols. They look like idols. You know, the Gemara says that when the, the conquerors came and they saw the Kruvim, now they didn't see the Kruvim that were on the Ark because that was hidden away before they, before they came, but there were two other Kruvim that in Shlomo HaMelech's day were established that stood on the ground, and they said, look what these guys have in the Holy of Holies. They have idols. They have idols. It struck them in the end of Parshas Yisro, the Parsha where Hashem gave the Torah to the Jewish people. What does he say? It says, it says don't make gods of silver or of gold. This explains Rashi. Chazal say, what does that mean? Those cherubic images that I said to make, I told you to make two golden images. If you make them out of silver, they're idols. If you make more than two, they're idols. You got to go exactly the way I told you. In other words, yes, you're playing with fiery, fiery lions. You're playing with Avedizar. It's so close. It's so close. There's a reason why there in the Holy of Holies you have such an image, something which straddles the delicate line between the service of Hashem and idol worship. You can understand in that context this idea that, well, when you have that, you have prophecy. When you don't have that, you don't. You know, in the second temple, the second temple is by and large characterized by a lack of prophecy. It's also characterized by not having proven there weren't any cherubic images in the Holy of Holies in the time of the second Beis Amikdash. There was a rock there. 
Right? The stone, the dome of the rock, the, the migdash of the rock, the heaven shasiyah that was there. So what's the relationship? What's the relationship? The, the idol worshiper is trying to bridge the abstraction of God in the world. Do you see him? Do you see him? Do you see God? The idol worshiper says, no, he's, he's there, I know he's there somewhere. I can't see him, but the sun I can see. The moon I could see, that constellation of stars I could see. This image, this temple, this I can see. Let me somehow try to take this abstraction and make it real. The prophet, the Navi, is a person who's also experiencing God in a real way. The Navi, the prophet, doesn't muse about what God would have said, but he experiences God in the here and now. And the correlation of those two presence, a strong and an active presence in a relationship with Hashem, it's, it's in that world that you can have as well a drive for Avodah for idol worship. If you're going to take away from people the drive for idol worship, that means they're okay with God as an abstraction. He's there, he's in the background of life, not present. Now, my Rabbi Zuchan Rabbi Weinberg used to say, you don't understand. You don't understand. Like we, we read about Avodah Zara, we don't understand what this means, getting rid of the Avodah He said, if the Anshik Nesses Hagdele would not, you can do better job, Shema. If the Anshik Nesses Hagdele would not have gotten rid of the Yetzirah of Avedah Zarah, there would be more bummies, there would be more altars on Reisistown Road than gas stations. Right? Did you ever hear that from him? That's what he, that's what he said. And it was, it's like, it, it, you have to understand how driven people were to be able to express themselves and connect themselves to, to, to a God, a God force, a powerful force. And we can't relate to that. It's in a context where that drive for a spiritual connection is so great. That prophecy can occur. A prophet, like any person, like any leading person, draws the energy of their strength from the world around them, from the community that they're there to serve or to, or to help or from which they come. He's not an island. Yeah, he's exceptional in a certain way, but it's an exceptional built on everybody else. Moshe himself, who was the most exceptional human being, as the Torah says, but when the Jewish people sinned with the golden calf. Hashem said, Moshe, you have to go down because the people who you came from and who you go back to have self-destructed. I can't continue to carry on with you. The people that you are a part of are not up to it. That's the way it works. The Navi will draw from an energy which is there in the people. The Navi doesn't get, doesn't get way away, doesn't go to the wrong place. 
but we do. And we can understand. And again, we'll, we'll hopefully, Emir Hashem, hopefully next time we'll, 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 we'll look and develop this a little bit more. But the coincidence with Alexandros, the coincidence with Yavon, with the Greeks, is very understandable in this context. Because that was a kingdom that specifically, as we've said many times, as Ramesha Shapira used to quote all the time, the Ramban and Parsha Sacharemais, they, they weren't driven for that which they couldn't see. It was the very opposite. We talked about it in the last, you know, when we got together over, over Hanukkah. They, they were over their guts. It had to be something that they could master. The, the drive for Avodah Nevuah, prophecy is the recognition that I can't figure this out. I need to hear the voice from the outside. And that was the opposite of the posture of the Greeks. And in that context, in that environment, in that world of attitudes and values, a thirst to be able to hear something greater, to connect to something on a completely spiritual realm, it wasn't there. With the drop of Nebuah came the rise of Alexandrus from a tangible, passionate thirst of faith for something greater and beyond to sort of like an intellectual world of defining values. It's a fundamental change. It's a fundamental change. And uh, this, is, this is part of it. So as we're here starting to explore this ikar, this fundamental of faith, which is prophecy, I say, what's prophecy? I don't, it's, it's like so remote and so removed from us. Maybe thinking about this context helps us to understand why it's so removed from us, why it's a little bit beyond our 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 world of 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 feelings, of drives, of of uh, of interests and connections. Mitzvah, we will pick up with it.